Statistics show that the average person living in a suburban or urban area will walk past 36 killers in their lifetime. While we have discussed on this very podcast before that most who kill are driven by money or vengeance, it's also true that nobody is safe. Today, we examine the case of one person who dedicated their life to the service of a higher power with no known qualms found assaulted and killed in a case that stays unsolved nearly 50 years later. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Crime in the Coalfields. I'm Izzy Post. And I'm Harper Inch. Crime in the Coalfields is a podcast brought to you by 59 News that explores the most bizarre crimes, killers, and cold cases of the Mountain State and beyond. Today we are examining the case of Sister Roberta Elam, a Catholic nun from Wheeling who went out on a walk behind the convent and then never returned, only to be found killed later that very day. This episode of Crime in the Coalfields is an exclusive podcast experience sponsored by Rose and Quesenberry Funeral Chapels. How would you like to relieve the emotional and financial burden off of those you love, express your own wishes, and avoid conflicts among family members? Call Sandy Evans at Rose and Quesenberry today. So let's set the scene. The date is June 13th, 1977. Sister Roberta, or Robin as she was called, decided to enjoy the late spring weather and take some time to pray and meditate in nature behind the convent she lived in Wheeling. Sister Roberta was in her final days before taking her final vows to become a nun at Mount St. Joseph. As part of her preparations, she had spent the last eight days in what was known as silent retreat. So it was not uncommon for her to be away from the group for long periods of time. The other sisters went about their days making their final preparations for Sister Roberta's final vows, a joyous occasion among clergy members. However, Sister Roberta would never return to see the jubilant ceremony. You see, that June afternoon, while walking out On the grounds, a caretaker found the body of Sister Roberta on her back, half a football field away from a knocked-over bench. Her clothes were ripped and partially removed from her body. So, here we have signs of a struggle, and like like this looks like an attack. Yeah, very standard crime scene that you would think. Of course, it's out in nature, it's, it's near a convent, so... Usually those grounds are a little more secluded. If they're not secluded, they're definitely quieter, um, very well kept. But again, the fact that the bench was overturned and that her body was a good distance away or a noticeable distance away definitely shows that there was some sort of retreat or struggle or attempt to escape. Yeah, it's possible and probable that she ran or, or was running trying to get away or perhaps an attacker ran as well and that there was evidence of that uh, but what we don't have is a very a common setup and and it, it is a common sort of set of p- 
pieces and and clues and aspects of the case so far but what it isn't common is the the setting and the the victim you don't hear a lot of times about pious religious people being attacked that's not very common yes and it is worth noting too that her clothes partially removed from her body had her exposed so she she her shirt had been ripped open her pants had been pulled down or her skirt had been lifted up there there were obvious signs that this was an attack not only uh, murderous in nature but but sexual in nature as well yes the mystery still remains unsolved there's been a dna profile of sister roberta's attacker created but that profile doesn't have a match However, authorities did have one suspect early in the investigation, and that suspect was John Shoplack. Now, records indicate Shoplack knew more about the case than he should have, but the specifics were never released. Shoplack was also a military veteran, and investigators used his blood records from the military to cross-examine the evidence recovered from the scene, and those samples didn't match. However, it is worth noting the military records at the time have a high error rate due to the technology that was available then. Sister Roberta's story caught the attention of many cold case followers, but also that of Paul Holes with the Oxygen TV network. On his show, The DNA of Murder with Paul Holes, he met with a criminologist who described Sister Roberta's murder as one committed by someone who must like power. And this makes sense because a lot of times when you have a sexual attack like this in nature it's probably like a a power trip you know sort of sociopathic dominance yeah yeah that sort of thing and another thing here whether this was uh shop black or not whether this was you know the the suspect that they thought it was whether it was any of the other people that they whether it was any of the other people that they might have suspected The fact of the matter is the DNA profile that they created is not on file. So that means that whoever this was was not a previous offender. They were not a, you know, person already in the system. Well, and like we mentioned, it is worth noting that DNA technology in the late 1970s is not the DNA technology that we have now. So there may have been a mismatch due to an error on the suspect side, but there may have been an error on on the evidence side as well. And and that's just the technology that was available then. Yeah, the 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 time of sort of working science. And I mean we're still in a time of working science, but it's it certainly DNA technology now is a little bit more consistent. And so and that's one of the tough things about any of these cases, you know, you you, you go back even to when we did like the Mad Butcher of Fayette County and things like that, if they had had any sort of DNA accuracy at those times or, or, or that technology had been just a little bit further ahead than it was, we might have had someone dead to rights, a, a suspect. Right. And during the investigation, Shoplack's ex-girlfriend told investigators that he did not like Catholics and he had even tried choking her two pieces of information integral to this case as Sister Roberta was found choked to death and she was a Catholic nun. The investigation revealed that Shoplack had been accused of two other violent sexual assaults 
and even accused of robbing his grandmother by cutting off her finger to steal a ring she was wearing. Though it's unclear if he was ever convicted of any of these things. The claims into Shoplack's past go even further than that, though. In 1977, one of his former friends told investigators he had attacked and murdered a nun previously at Ogilvy Park, claiming they knew Shoplack attacked the woman from behind and strangling her with a belt. Still, however, investigators did not find enough merit to any of these claims. And from our research, Shoplack was never indicted on any of these claims. John Shoplack died in August of 2019. Today, his sister Roberta's murder still remains unsolved. So we have a lot of information that we just put in these last few paragraphs, and it's, it's a lot to unpack regarding this case. Now, these are just the facts of the case that we have out there. This is what this man has been accused of, although, as our research shows, never convicted. He died outside of the hospital, in the hospital, so he was never in jail at the time of his death, in a case that remains un, unsolved. But the accusations against this prime suspect at the time of Sister Roberta's case is a lot to digest. And once again, you go backwards in time and things start to become more and more difficult to solve, both because of the time that these, these crimes were committed in and what was available then and the distance between then and now. And, you know, that includes things like the DNA technology. So even if it was him, at this point... Nothing's going to get done. Nothing's going to happen from it. Yeah. And even if it is somebody else, you know, they've gotten away with it long enough at this point. You know, when? what's the time frame? When does a case that is unsolved and with few leads and few possible culprits become, you know, easier to get away with and and continue to get away with. There's got to be an exponential curve to that. Some of that evidence that we presented there towards the end is somewhat convincing, but even then it's still circumstantial at best. All, All that even the authorities, the police would be doing is speculation. Right. And going back to the how long is too long, you think about on Sister Roberta's side, the three main vows of Catholic clergy, poverty, chastity, obedience. She had no children. Mm -hmm. She was young. She was in her mid-20s. Did she have siblings? Did she have nieces and nephews? Are, Are her parents still around? 50 years later, it's possible, but again, what comes from solving this case societal closure and and that's where i'm sure that in many cases the authorities still want to solve these for the greater good for the societal closure but it has to be hard because some this is different from some of the cases that we feature on here because there are plenty of the cases we feature on here where we have the families talking to us and asking us to do these and for closure because they don't know anything and and they're still alive and they still remember and that isn't always the case and in 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 a case like this it might be less likely this is the definition of a true cold case yes and if you happen to be if you are listening and you're a family member of sister roberta or you knew her or you know someone who knows her get them here because 
whether it's for societal closure, whether it's for personal personal closure, we want to dig into these cases, even the ones with few details, the ones that are super cold, because there is an answer still. The, the truth is out there somewhere, and it might not be Shoplack, and it might not be any of the people the police might have suspected, and it might not have anything to do with any of the evidence that they acquired, but something did happen, and there is a true story behind the evidence that we have, which might not be full. And again, everything that Shoplack was accused of is just that accusations. Very correlated accusations. Very convenient accusations. Very convenient accusations, for sure. But again, something did not lead to his indictment. Right. For the murder. So what was that? Well, and it means that it very likely might not have been him at all. And the authorities probably determined that rightfully. But it could have been. And when you don't have a full picture in any case like this, in any cold case, in this one we only have one real prime suspect. In some of the other episodes we've discussed, we might have one or two or or even a couple, a few prime suspects or people that were considered to be suspects at one point or another. And, you know, you can theorize and make these stories about who it might be or if it's even an option that we didn't necessarily consider. But at the end of the day, when we don't have a full story or a full picture like this, what everyone's instinct is going to be is to paint their own picture. Or to point fingers. Right. A lot remains unanswered, and who knows if these questions will ever be answered, but maybe one day they will. And thanks so much for listening to this episode of Crime in the Coalfields. If you have any information on the death of Sister Roberta Elam, you are asked to contact the Ohio County Sheriff's Department or the West Virginia State Police. If you like Crime in the Coalfields, be sure to give us a good rating wherever you listen and recommend it to any friends or fans of true crime that you know. Feel free to send us in any suggestions or requests for future episodes. And if you have a case that personally you are involved in or have information on anywhere here in the Mountain State or surrounding the Mountain State, please do not hesitate to reach out to us here at Crime in the Coalfields. We'll do the research and feature whatever cases that you send our way. This episode has been an exclusive podcast experience presented by 59 News and sponsored exclusively by Rose and Questenberry Funeral Homes. This episode of Crime in the Coalfields was written, hosted, and produced by Izzy Post and Harper Imsch.